Welcome to the Baker McKenzie Latin America EMI Talks podcast series focusing on sector-specific issues that are impactful to the players of the energy mining and infrastructure industry. Hello, everyone. This is Jaime Trujillo, the Latin America Chair of Baker McKenzie and a mergers and acquisitions partner from Bogota, Colombia. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, Stabilizing Operations in Latin America, Restructuring and Divestment Strategies in the Energy and Mining Sectors. It's my pleasure to introduce our speakers, Inez Vasquez, Projects Partner from our Lima office, Gabriel Gomez-Higlio, the Latin America Chair of Banking and Finance and Partner from our Buenos Aires office, and Monica Pereira Cavalcanchi, Partner in our Mergers and Acquisitions Practice in uh, Trench Rosso Watanabe, uh, our uh, firm in cooperation agreement with Baker McKenzie in Brazil. The agenda for this episode will cover three main topics. First, we will start with a brief context of the main challenges and opportunities that energy and mining companies are experiencing due to the pandemic effects on their businesses. Second, we will discuss about the recovery strategies companies are analyzing for the repurpose of their assets in the new normality. And third and finally, we will navigate through the process of getting ready for deal execution, highlighting the major concerns and opportunities in either a reorganization proceeding or distressed uh, divestment. Let's get started then, Ines. Um, in a regional perspective, what have been the most relevant challenges that energy and mining companies face due to COVID-19? Well, Jaime. Energy and mining companies are still facing several difficulties due to COVID-19 and the mandatory lockdown implemented by different jurisdictions. And depending on the industry and the stage of the project, the consequences might be different. In general, companies that have projects in the development stage have faced delays with the obtention of the permits and licenses. Companies whose projects are under construction suffered delays with the supply chain and lockdown affected the construction works. In those cases, parties are facing disputes surrounding qualification of force majeure or modification of agreements due to hardship clauses. Particularly in the power sector, the strictness of the confinement measures affected the consumption as well as the prices. And likewise, final consumers are facing financial difficulties, so the defaulting payments have made an impact in the whole sector. And nowadays, uh, there's a tolerance for non-payment by end users, and governments have not defined if this leniency towards such non-payments uh, will be applied further along the supply chain. Um, regarding oil and gas sector, COVID-19 arrived in the middle of a price war with the biggest producers of oil in the world, so prices were severely affected. And in, as, in the private, as in the power sector, oil and gas companies are also facing defaulting payments uh, of the final users. So due to that, uh, many companies interested in new projects are either holding off whenever a bidding offer has not been yet presented or cancelling new investments at least for a while. Um, despite oil and gas companies uh, were able to operate regularly, operations uh, are not in full steam 
due to health and safety protocols uh, implemented, disruption in the supply chain, and of course, transit restriction. In connection to mining, in most Latin countries, mining companies continue operating as they were considered essential. However, it has been very difficult for them to operate in a context where health and safety protocols had to be implemented. There was challenges in the importation and export of products. So even if mining companies were able to produce, they have not been able to deliver the product to the buyer. To sum it up, companies uh, within those sectors are reviewing their contracts, are working intensely in cost reduction and uh, finding new strategies for contract termination. Many companies uh, across those sectors have ceased or decreased capital expenditure. For example, companies are delaying initiated projects and non-critical investment has been suspended. Companies are reassessing their liquidity are under investment portfolio. This will lead to new financing to modify the conditions of financial arrangements already in place and probably to dispose part of their assets. Thank you, uh, Ines. This does provide a very broad panorama for us to identify the issues that are affecting our, our, our clients. So I'd like to move over to, to Gabriel. Uh, and, and welcome, Gabriel, and thank you for, for joining us. So I'd like to start off by, by um, of course, acknowledging that the decrease in demand has hit most of energy and mining companies. Um, what, what are the main challenges that these companies are facing considering the impactful decrease in demand itself? Well, thank you very much, Jaime. Um, we have seen debtors and creditors acting very proactively to face the challenges raised by this crisis. Financial institutions working to weigh financial covenants and discuss workout alternatives to keep as many credit lines available as possible. And also governments are open to discussions to keep local payrolls while helping with different alternatives for the payment of wages and deferring the payment of taxes and social security obligations in most Latin jurisdictions. Um, when it comes to restructuring in Latin, we should bear in mind that most jurisdictions have updated legislation providing for out-of-court workout solutions, and that there have been several recent developments in different jurisdictions evidencing that local governments are very keen and active to develop alternatives for companies in distress or organization. So one of the examples is Brazil, where debtors uh, that got a reorganization prior, a plan duly approved by creditors may have the chance to reach out to the creditors and present a new proposal for restructuring. This is clearly a step in the right direction and we shall expect more developments in this regard from other jurisdictions in the region. Not only extension of terms, but also this type of different solutions, specifically tailor-made uh, for companies having much more need of cash flow or extension of terms. Other good example is Peru, which has recently implemented a specific workout program to be conducted 100% online, applicable to companies in distress in any and all sectors of the economy. We are seeing many companies having these difficult discussions about restructuring with creditors, and we see financial institutions keen to be on the table and involved in these discussions. 
One of the differences between recessions or workout discussions is that this crisis is affecting anyone everywhere, and there might be no similar reputational damages for having these uh, discussions openly uh, and as soon as practicable. Reduction in output in much of these projects may be in double-digit area. So starting these discussions will be a key component to make the whole difference. In this context, it is clear to us that getting proper advice of a special team in the relevant jurisdiction with a holistic approach early in the process might be key. A professional team that has navigated these issues in the past with experience in relevant jurisdiction will certainly be better positioned to anticipate the challenges and the changes in legislation and have a clear understanding of the expectations of local courts when it comes to reorganization and the approval of out-of-court workouts. We heard from Ines and Gabriel that the oil and gas and mining industries are very challenging circumstances. They're hit by, by a number of disruptions uh, price and supply negotiations, a, a downward demand in uh, further products, and of course the capex implications and disruption of their businesses simply brought upon by the, the lockdown and the limitations on how they can conduct their um, business. Uh, but of course, uh, while there are limitations impacting deal execution, there continues to be a path forward for completing deals with willing buyers and willing sellers. Uh, of course, this, um, this provides a different dynamic to transactions. But, um, but with that, I, I would like to ask you, Monica, if you could briefly describe the main challenges and opportunities considered in a distressed M&A transaction in the context of the pandemic scenario. Sure, Jaime. It's a real pleasure to be part of this and discuss such a relevant topic. This unprecedented situation creates a number of challenges, especially when we consider the seller's perspective and the financial distress deal. The immediate need for cash for the survival of the company is the main drive of such type of transaction. I would say that Timeline, valuation, risk allocation, and closing certainty are crucial factors and challenges that have um, the deal structure and completed. This was true before COVID, and now after COVID, it's even more accurate uh, because the stakes are higher due to the um, economic and financial uncertainty worldwide. We are about to see uh, more small and mid-sized companies seeking protection against creditors and desperate for liquidity. They are likely to be good opportunities as well for buyers um, with uh, appetite for uh, some risks and being able to act quickly uh, in a this type of uh, deal and enter into a transaction uh, in which post-closing protection resources are limited. Uh, good assets will be available for attractive prices. 
Um, and because closing certainty is a session to buyers, uh, since the death of the deal could mean the death of the company, so to navigate in a smooth um, uh, deal is relevant uh, for sellers. So sellers should seek to control the agenda, dictating the time of the deal, having a limited and less disrupting due diligence, and also having a seller draft contract. This would be from a seller's perspective, a, um, a form, a way to, to handle this um, situation that it's per se very um, sensitive in a more, at least in a more controlled uh, way and, and form. Those are the challenging negotiation points also, since buyers have more leverage to, and the pressure is on seller. But seeking to have as much control as possible on this deal dynamics and the timeline is essential. In terms of valuation, sellers should also maximize the certainty of the transaction. Cash is king. This is a must in this type of transaction. And arrangements such earnouts um, are not attractive at all. Thank you, Monica. Okay, now I'd, I'd like to go back to uh, Ines and like to move on to our second topic, uh, the recovery strategies and potential solutions for the continuity of businesses. So Ines, what kind of considerations do energy and mining companies need to have in terms of new finance uh, or divestments? Thank you, Jaime. Um, the first thing to bear in mind is that those are highly regulated industries. And as such, any decision of new financing or disbursement needs to be carefully reviewed from a regulatory point of view. For example, in some jurisdictions, license or concession agreements may include dispositions to request prior approval of the grantor for new indebtedness or change of control provisions. In jurisdictions as Peru, some concessions agreements are require, require the lender to qualify as permitted creditor in order to receive certain guarantees from the project. So in those cases, we need to assess whether the proposed lender comply with the requirements to become permitted creditor. The second recommendation, and specifically for, uh, specifically for disbursement transactions, would be to be aware of antitrust regulation. It is critical to verify if the transaction would require any prior approval from the corresponding antitrust agency and take all the measures to obtain such approval. Bear in mind that this will defer the closing and so the payment to the seller. The third and final would be to carefully evaluate if the disbestment will be done through an asset deal or a share deal. These kind of projects usually involve a great numbers of permits and licenses, and not all of them are transferable to third parties. Thank you, thank you, Ines. Okay, Gabriel, in, in line with those needs that Ines has just mentioned, which are the trends followed by companies in the energy and mining sectors when it comes to reorganizations and, and perhaps even insolvency? Thank you, Jaime. Uh, the decrease in demand has had a direct impact on the cash flow of companies in these sectors, restricting and deferring investments that were planned in center areas 
and also challenging the continuity of certain projects. So when we talk about uh, a distress scenario, like where the one that most of these projects and companies are facing, cash is king. So depending on the cash, depending on your alternatives. Um, but considering the pivotal role that the mining and energy companies play in certain countries in the region, we have seen governments acting proactively to assist some of the players that were uh, having opportunities in these sectors, basically to get involved with some cash and having uh, a long-term view. But in mind that uh, not only does the industry provide for jobs and security in remote areas of many jurisdictions, but its products are at the very start of the supply chain that fit every industry and almost all aspects of day-to-day -day life from agriculture to healthcare and from energy to transport. However, it is probably the first time that we see almost all players struggling with liquidity issues related to almost all projects, not only in LACAM, but also in many other regions. This is a resilient sector, which is used to deal with low demand, recessions, economic and political crisis, but in a specific region or in certain jurisdictions at the time, and always handling a balanced portfolio of projects. However, within this crisis, uh, what we see is that it is affecting much of all projects all around at the same time and without a clear understanding of how long the recession that started with last. In this concept, uh, basically a liquidity shortage is quickly evolving into an insolvency scenario, narrowing the window of opportunity. A proactive approach by those players involved will certainly assist them to get a clear workout or a clear solution. Of course, depending on the jurisdiction, and as we said before, uh, you will have different solutions and alternatives considering the legal framework. What we see in the market is that different players are having these conversations from a very start uh, in order to have an organized evolution of a clear solution that will hopefully will keep those projects afloat. Thank you, Gabriel. And, and you make a, ver a very good point. Not only is the pandemic a, a global phenomenon, it's, it's also many of the players in Latin America are global businesses themselves. And they're having to deal with these uh, same situations in different ways in the various markets in which they're present. So I'd like to turn to, to Monica. And I'd, I'd like to ask you that uh, if companies decide to go for a divestment strategy, under a seller's perspective, which should be the concerns regarding the level and organization of the information to be disclosed at a first stage uh, due diligence? Um, as I commented before, speed and some specific legal considerations are key for sellers uh, under financial distress. The pressure on sellers and normals in acting uh, quickly and working on an accelerated timetable can determine the success of the deal and the continuation of the business. Well, having this in mind, the deal dynamics is singular and different from a regular M&A transaction especially when we consider the financial distress combined with the pandemic effects, the restrictions uh, that we are facing 
until now. The due diligence uh, in this type of transaction tend to be limited due to time constraints and sellers availability also to dedicate time and efforts to prepare complete and neat data role. So from a seller's perspective, um, the organization of the data room should focus on the quality of the information, material risks, and main documents to be disclosed, rather than in the quantity of the data available. Sellers should also worry about sensitive and confidential information and consider only to share such type of strategic information at a more mature stage of the deal, especially if it's a competitive bid with multiple potential buyers. Sellers shall balance, um, shall be able to do this exercise really to balance the real interests of certain buyers versus the opportunism of some players of taking advantage of the circumstances of a fragile situation in which sellers um, are in which sellers is, are facing. Most of the time, because of the immediate need for cash, sellers are under great stress and may have to dance uh, to the buyer's tune. So this type of pressure can mean a delay in the timeline of the deal and may adversely affect the results. So sellers need to put its efforts to control the timeline of the due diligence by focusing on the relevant information and, and also limited uh, Q&A rounds and additional questions and presentations. The important message here under seller's perspective is to avoid a long-lasting due diligence with multiple interactions, additional requests of, for documents and unlimited numbers of Q&As. Of course, this is not always possible, but the best scenario under such need for cash, the financial pressure and time constraints should be as, as is, where is approached by seller, basically say, here are my documents, my information, my permits, my license. In case you need more, you do your own research and independent analysis. Thank you, Monica. That, that, that's very insightful and, and very practical advice because uh, I think we cannot ignore the fact that in, in the current scenario, the likelihood of completing deals is lower uh, than in uh, normal circumstances and sellers have to be very mindful of that. And of course, will not want to give away sensitive information prematurely. Uh, and, and that sets up the question that I have for Gabriel now regarding deal execution. Um, the, the issues that Monica has highlighted, it of course will make some uh, potential sellers um, actually prefer a restructuring strategy rather than a divestment. And I'd like to ask you, Gabriel, which are the main challenges for companies in the energy and mining sectors that are undergoing um, refinancings or reorganizations? Thank you, Jaime. We foresee more consolidation in several sectors and energy and mining may not be exemption. Early movers have had the chance basically of cheap money and the opportunity considering that workouts will not necessarily have a similar detrimental impact in reputation as we discussed. But this is not the borrower's market anymore. As per the challenges when it comes to executing the deal, time is of the essence. There is a bigger amount of players involved in the process a very small window of opportunity and not so much money to go around. We are facing a crisis in which circumstances change very fast 
and the debtor situation may deteriorate even further in a short period of time. In addition, many projects depend on local cash flow and the fluctuation of local currency, which are and shall probably be under a lot of pressure for quite a long time in certain jurisdictions, has also a role to play. So better choose your battles ahead, put all the issues on the table as soon as you get on board and get a closing mindset from the very beginning of the process. There might be just a few sweeteners for those key players in the game. And if you are representing one of the key players, be secure that it will be able to collect at the time of closing. Keep focus on those key provisions in documentation, such as condition present to closing and conditions to disbursement, and get a clear way out in case the necessary majorities are not be reached by the debtor within a specific time frame. Your client would not like to be in an endless negotiation process. And unfortunately, this crisis might drag us for quite a long time. Be involved and keep your team focused and motivated. We were very lucky to advise a client acted as sanctioned to a syndicate of bank in a 60 million financing granted to a company and their organization. We were part of the team that worked on providing the financing and getting security interests in more than 50 jurisdictions during lockdown in most of them. This is something that is going on and happening at this very time in major money centers. So we have very good stories to tell clients to took advantage of big recessions and adverse circumstances to close favorable workouts. And in this context, team work is key to implement a successful deal. Thank you, Gabriel. Um, this is, this is uh, very insightful. And, and, and you mentioned that when dealing with financial institutions and creditors, um, companies should put all issues on the table. And, and that prompts a question in my mind uh, for Monica. Uh, from a divestment strategy, uh, Monica, um, which are the main differences and concerns related to the uh, negotiation of representations and warranties and guarantees in a distressed M&A deal? Well, a distressed M&A deal has a lot of particularities. It's not going to be like a typical M&A deal. Not only in their timing, due diligence structure, condition precedents, and closing perspectives, but also contractual provisions for representations, warrants, and indemnities. This type of transactions come with certain level of risks, which shall be taken into consideration by buyers who need to have appetite for facing some valuation risks and limited indemnity and guarantees. Sellers will, of course, push to limit the representations and warranties targeting to include only the essential ones. Almost no indemnification protection will be available. If lucky, you can negotiate a limited escrow, but it's very unlikely that a buyer will get a substantial amount in an escrow or even a guarantee. This is not going to be a typical asset purchase agreement either. Each uh, uh, in, with a um, 90 page long with extensive reps and warrants and indemnity mechanisms simply because there are no pockets for sellers to be sued. Uh, the opportunity to acquire high-quality assets at substantially reduced price is typically the main drive for buyers and investors. 
everyone wants to pay the least amount to acquire the best assets. However, such opportunities comes with some risks, so buyer needs to have a higher level of tolerance to be able to follow this tight uh, timetable and negotiate the, also the risk allocation for potential success or liability contingencies. Sellers have a, a mindset focused on liquidity. Cash is king and the deal must be closed as soon as possible. So there is no time to long-lasting negotiations over all sorts of reps and warrants, uh, which at the end could not really equal to an effective remedy in case of breach, as the guarantees would not likely exist to the financial condition of seller. So in this scenario, buyers must be prepared to wisely calculate the purchase price and the risk and do uh, its own risk assessment as well. For those reasons, warranty protection is unlikely to be offered unless a warranty and indemnity insurance policy is purchased. Thank you, Monica. And again, what, what you just said uh, highlights the theme of this, uh, and it's an obvious one, which is these are not normal times and the, the operations and deployment of projects, the um, workarounds and refinancings and divestments that we are witnessing today are very different from uh, what we were used to just a few uh, months ago. This has been a fascinating uh, conversation. So thank you, Ines, Gabriel, and Monica for your insight and recommendations that I trust will be extremely helpful for our listeners. But before uh, signing off, I'd like to ask each of you if there are any additional comments that you would like to make. Yes, Jaime, even though um, energy and mining companies have been affected by COVID, its important role for the development of their countries will make them to be the first one to recover from this crisis. Governments across LATAM are deploying several measures to help the economy to overcome COVID-19 effects. And among those measures, policymakers will keep collaborating with the companies in the recovery process and promoting new investments. Thank you, Ines. Uh, how about you, Gabriel? Any final remarks? Yes, thank you, Jaime. Be involved, reach out to your clients, and this is a fascinating time to lawyering. When it comes to this type of projects and opportunities, time is of the essence and you need to be really proactive. Thank you, Gabriel. And finally, Monica, any final comments for our audience? Um, yes, Jaime, um, and thank you. Uh, it was a um, really good conversation. Um, I, my final comment would be that uh, I would like to focus on the positive side. I know that there are a lot of challenges and uh, we went through a lot of them, but um, there are also uh, ways uh, out and good opportunities. So eventually uh, this uh, will pass and companies uh, uh, will be able to continue its business and hopefully uh, soon we'll have this um, situation settled and uh, our clients and, and partners uh, back on track. Thank you, Monica. And thank you, Ines and, and Gabriel. I think I, I speak for everyone uh, on this panel when I say that these are fascinating times. And if we look at silver linings uh, behind the situation, it is our ability to help our clients in these most difficult circumstances 
and to help them, particularly in fast-paced deals that are unique uh, in their own uh, particular ways. So this is the end of our podcast, and I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us in this episode entitled Stabilizing Operations in Latin America, Restructuring and Divestment Strategies in the Energy and Mining Sectors. So on behalf of the Latin America Energy, Mining and Infrastructure Team, we're happy to provide further insight and answer any questions you may have.